Hello, good evening. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 17. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but as only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. We'll stop there. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy and errant word. Amen. And we'll read next week from verse 18. Good. So Paul is thinking about the problem of division in the church at Corinth and in the first part of chapter 3 he we, we saw last time he used two metaphors the first to diagnose the problem he uses a family metaphor infants who should have matured but have remained immature they should have been on solid food but are only capable of receiving milk that's the problem their divisions have stunted their spiritual growth then in verses 5 to 9 the picture changes the metaphor changes from a family metaphor of infants to an agricultural an agricultural metaphor where the church is like a field and paul and apollos and other ministers are working in the field are fam, far farmhands planting the seed watering the seed god is the one who gives the growth so if the corinthians are to grow up they ought not to look to men either to lionize or demonize them but to look only to god because god is the one in whom their growth is uniquely sourced in our passage this evening he continues the treatment plan of spiritual immaturity using a third metaphor not family not babies who need milk not agricultural a field where the seed is sown and watered and god gives the growth but architectural a construction site where god is building a great edifice which it turns out in verses 16 to 17 to be his temple. So verse 9 kicks it off, or we finished it last week as well, Paul bringing the metaphors together. There's a transition from the agricultural to the architectural. We are God's fellow workers, God's field, God's building. And that is the metaphor that he's going to be working on and we'll look at together for a few minutes. And as he amplifies that metaphor, he takes us through the principles about the Christian life. And if we grasp them and begin to implement them, will change us and help us to mature. Let's start off by trying to fix that image in our minds. A great construction site. First of all, the foundation must be excavated, then carefully laid. Then each layer of the superstructure built upon that foundation with great care. And on that construction site, there are different workers with different roles. They're swarming all over the place about their tasks. 
you've got architects, you've got project managers, you've got quantity surveyors, you've got structural engineers, civil engineers, electrical engineers, heating engineers, plumbers, stonemasons, heavy machine operators, people who do the glass, glaziers, roofers, and many, many more besides. Each has a distinct and a vital role and contribution, which is a picture of the church. And each of us is engaged in a great construction project. And as Paul explains that and amplifies that metaphor, he brings out three exhortations, three encouragements that would help us grow in unity and in maturity to the glory of God. Let's start in verses 10 and 11. Be sure that you build on the right foundation according to the grace of God given to me. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Paul is not boasting. That word is a technical term for a kind of project manager, an architect, a principal leader on the building site, skilled master builder. And then let us each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, Paul's role is to lay the spiritual foundation for the church. It is the only foundation that will work. You do not build to last unless you're built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Christ is our only secure foundation. This is foundational truth. This is the beginning of the Christian life. Get this wrong, whatever else you build will inevitably come tumbling down. The only secure foundation for your life is Jesus Christ. What are you building your life on? Some people build their lives on moral foundations. They have a strong work ethic, strive to treat others as we wish to be treated ourselves. We pride ourselves on the, on the nobility of our motives. Others maybe build their lives on winning approval from parents and then from peer groups. And the great animating principle that directs all of these efforts is the affirmation and the praise of others. Then there may be a third group who may be living in a make-believe world of their own invention. They've trained themselves to bury their heads in the sand, to avoid facing up to reality or taking any responsibility. Their response to problems is to duck and cover, is to run and hide. And they drown out their stresses with entertainment or spending or self-medication to hope that it all just goes away. But Paul is telling us clearly that whatever we are building on if it isn't the foundation of jesus cracks will appear eventually only jesus can take the weight unmoving solid secure that will last for eternity on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand you're not built to bear the weight of your life only jesus can take that weight are you resting on him today so the first foundation be careful that you're building on the right foundation jesus secondly what are you building with switch me to have a quick look at verse 12 he lists these different construction materials in verse 12 gold silver precious stones wood hay straw they're listed in decreasing value yep gold silver precious stones wood hay straw and increasing flammability. So Paul's exhortation is that there is a fire coming, build so 
that what you build lasts. Make sure you build so it lasts. Now, why is that so important? As long as your life is resting on Christ as the sure foundation, it doesn't matter all that much how you build. No, look at verse 13. Each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. At the final judgment, our lives will fall under the scrutiny, the white hot combustion scrutiny of the Lord himself. And all of our work for Jesus will be put to the test. And the criterion is not how much we did. It is not volume and it's not busyness. It is quality. Let each one take care how he builds. That's verse 10, verse 13. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Not how much, simply how, not what volume, but what sort of work. This is the test. You may rule yourself out. You know, you're not famous, important, you're not a preacher, you haven't written any books, you're not an evangelist, you're not no missionary, you haven't been around the world serving Jesus, no one will remember me, you tell yourself, what has my contribution been? And so you think that you've been building with wood, hay, straw, but when you sat nursing your aged parents through tears until they crossed the finished line in Jesus' name, ministering to them self Leslie, you were building with gold, silver and precious stones. When day after day for years and years you prayed for that loved one who did not yet know the Lord and no one saw, no one knew, the Lord saw, the Lord knew you were building with gold, silver, precious stones. When you opened your mouth risking your reputation in your workplace to say that you belong to Jesus, you're building with gold, silver, precious stones. When the opportunity comes, will you step forward in humility to serve or will you only work when there is the possibility of affirmation, plaudits and praise? That is the difference between gold, silver, precious stone work and wood, hay and straw work. How have you been building? Why have you been building? And then thirdly, look at verses 14 and 15. It's an uncomfortable passage we often overlook, but it's important to try and understand it a bit. Verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. The, te- the scriptures teach and promise eternal rewards for work in this life that survives the coming test of our motives and our methods. That's what Paul is saying here. Do you have room in your thinking for this? This great doctrine of differing rewards according to works in the Christian life. Not salvation according to works, no. Not salvation by works, but rewards according to works. Every Christian will get to heaven. But not every Christian will have the same reward in heaven. Jonathan Edwards has a marvellous passage on this in one of his miscellaneous notebooks. And it might help us understand this a little bit. Listen to Jonathan Edwards. Christ, by his righteousness, purchased for everyone perfect happiness. That is, he merited that their capacity should be filled with happiness. Good. Jesus died to make Christians gloriously, fully happy in heaven, filled to capacity with joy and blessedness. Great. So far, so good. We would all say amen. But then he develops a metaphor to get to this whole question of different degrees of reward in heaven. 
Listen to Jonathan Edwards again. The saints, Christians, are like so many vessels of different sizes cast into a sea of happiness. When every vessel is full, this is eternal life, for a man forever to have his capacity filled. But after that, after all, tis left to God's sovereign pleasure, tis his prerogative to determine the largeness of the vessel. You see what Edwards is saying, and I think it is helpful that we're like different sized containers and our works in this life in Jesus name determine the size, the capacity of each container. Some of our works are better, humbler, purer, more filled with faith, more aimed at Christ's glory, more animated by zeal for God's praise and the salvation of sinners. Others of our works are poorer, more self-serving, more unbelieving, more lukewarm, more half-hearted and joyless. And all of these works are shaping the dimensions of the vessel. And when we get to glory in heaven, it is as though Christ takes the vessel and plunges it into the sea of blessedness so that the vessel is completely full, filled to capacity. Our cup will overflow. We will lack for nothing, but we will not all have the same capacity. Some vessels will be shallower than others, some smaller, some built on the foundation with wood, hay and stone, more than with gold, silver and precious stones. Our reward will match how we have built on the one true foundation. We will all be filled to capacity, but we will not all have the same capacity for fullness. Therefore, Paul is trying to help the Corinthians and us understand, let us labour for Christ's glory, seeking to build with gold, silver and precious stones something that will last. Paul wants them and us to understand that we're shaping the dimensions of that, that vessel here that will be filled to capacity with glory in the hereafter. I want that vessel to be as deep and wide with a capacity as full as I can make it, that I may have as much of Christ as is possible for me to have in the world to come. That is what he wants the Christians all to say. So instead of this stunted mediocrity, divisiveness that has characterised their lives, they might grow, get past their squabbles, get past their stupid squabbles, get get past their angry divisions, kill their pride, go hard after Christ as they begin to serve him and to serve one another. And then Paul raises the possibility, a sobering possibility in verse 15, that all or most of our works might be burned up on the great day. Did you see that in verse 15? We ourselves will be saved, Paul says, but only as one escaping through the flames. The images of a house fire you're asleep in the home that you built with your own hands but you cut corners truth be told in the construction process you didn't build it according to code you didn't use the best materials the electrical wiring is dangerous the gas is unsafe so as the flames engulf your handiwork you jump from the window with the smoke rising from your clothes and sit on your face everything is lost but you that is the warning A child of God cannot be lost. We believe that. The final conflagration will not consume him. But the same cannot be said for his work. Be careful how you build. Build so that your vessel is deep and wide. Filled with as much of the glory of Christ in the world to come. Build it with gold, silver, precious stones. Build for eternity. Build in humility. Build selflessly. Build joyfully, build in faith, resting on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Build for his honour and his praise. Build for the salvation of the lost. 
Be careful how you build that you build for eternity. I love to, to, to tell this little story about C.T. Studd. And you know C.T. Studd, he was a cricketer, one of the seven students in Cambridge University who offered themselves to Hudson Taylor to go to China in the early days of the China Inland Mission. C.T. Studd is probably most famous for his saying, almost like his mission statement, as it were. This is why he went to China. He said, Some want to live within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And that is how we understood the mission of the church, a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And Studd came up with a two-line poem. Well, at least it is attributed to him. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. How much of your labours are you spending for yourself, for your pleasure, for your distractions? Or are, are you giving your life for the glory of the King of Kings? Fourthly, beware of destroying the building. So, build on the correct foundation. Be careful how you build on that foundation. Beware of destroying the building. He is anxious about the foundation. He's anxious about the construction but he's anxious about the possibility of destruction. Verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So now the building apparently we see at last is the temple of God, holy to the Lord. The church, he dwells there. He delights therefore in his dwelling place, that is his people. And Paul is still thinking about this problem of division. And he is saying, in effect, if you Corinthians insist on these worldly divisive patterns of behaviour, in the end, they will demonstrate that you're not building on the foundation at all. Jesus said in John 13, verse 35, By this shall the world know that you are my disciples, by your love for one another. Love for one another is an evidence that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are building on the one true foundation. And then on the same token, the opposite is true. If you're giving yourself in the pursuit of division and party spirit until you destroy the church of Jesus Christ, you show that you're not building on the foundation at all. If you give yourself to division and party spirit and you give yourself to unforgiveness, you show that you're not building on the foundation at all. You are not a follower of Jesus Christ. Your divisiveness, your partisan attitude, your commitment to one-upmanship are driven by pride and reveal a heart that does not know his saving touch. And if you are that one who destroys the church, you will face the destruction of the Lord. It is a sobering warning and it is challenging for us in our day as we think so little of the church because many of us come to the church with a consumer attitude. No, we need to see what Paul thinks of the church, what God thinks of the church. So Paul says, be sure you have the right foundation, that you have Jesus, that you've laid the correct foundation. There is only one that can bear the weight of your life for time and eternity, the foundation that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you resting on him? Are you resting on Jesus? Then he says, be careful how you build on that foundation. There is only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. And then he says, let us be careful not to destroy the unity of the church. Those that do not show that they are 
building on the right foundation at all. Those who destroy God's temple, God himself will destroy. Well, may the Lord give us grace as we search our hearts in light of his word to be sure that we are all resting on the one true foundation, that we are building in such a way that our labours will last to the glory of God and that we avoid any possibility of destroying God's temple. May the Lord bless the word for his glory. Amen.